So, dictionary.com celebrated their 20th anniversary this last week by looking back at 13 words that have changed profoundly within the last two decades, reflecting what has been transpiring in our culture as the culture has been evolving. Uh, some of those words that, that they used and, and went, went back and, and said it's changed are the words Twitter, viral, um, cloud, text, and, and this word right here, friend. And they define it as this, to add a person to one's list of contacts on a social networking website. So we've gone from a noun to a verb. So my question to you is, how many friends do you have? Well, according to Facebook for me this week, I have 865 friends. But I don't think they're all my friends. So what really makes a friend? Is it, is it the, that whole thing of, of request and then confirm? So I, I see sitting here this morning, Bob and Judy, and, 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 and I know about Bob and Judy, but not because of Facebook. I know Bob and Judy because we have talked, and, and I know their history. I know Bob and Judy uh, love to travel, and after today, they'll probably be leaving soon. I know Bob and Judy love to make, help people have healthy marriages. I know Bob and Judy love to hang out with young adults. Uh, I know that they've had some challenges that they faced in, in this last year. I know all of that, and Facebook didn't tell me that. In fact, I have this theory, and you may be mad at me if you're a Facebook fan, but I have this theory that the more revealing one becomes on Facebook, the more apparent it is that they have a very small network of real friends. And that collection of friends we call community, coming from the Latin word communitas or communis, which means to be common or really to share. And so I, I want to propose to you this morning that real community is created by four sharings. And, and Pastor Jason did just a, such a great job last week taking us through that first sharing, which is this, shared stories. It is, is sharing our history and even our, our common narrative at this moment, our present narrative. Pastor Jason reminded us last week that shared stories bind us together for the journey that is ahead. And if you weren't here last week, go online and watch that. When we share our stories... When I share my story with you, I'm inviting you into my narrative, into my journey that is ahead. But it just, it, 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 the way that it works is that it's got to be, and Pastor Jason talked about this a few messages ago when he spoke about God in us. He talked about this, this presence of God or really this whole idea of face-to-face. -face. And if we're going to be able to share our stories so that you involve yourself in one another's stories, it's got to be face-to-face. Not on my computer at midnight under my Ninja Turtle sheets on Facebook. Not going to happen. It happens with presence. Moses was clocked in for sheep watch duty one day. When he, when he sees this peculiar thing, he sees this, this, this bush that is, is on fire, but it is not burning. And it, and it catches his, his, his curiosity, so he makes his way there, and the scripture says this, 
Exodus 3 says, When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And when Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Now, if I was God and I wanted to get someone's attention to let them know that I was God, I would have set the entire mountain on fire. I'd have said, there you are, kind of like Mount Sinai, kaboom. But see, this was not an event. This was an encounter. One that God wanted with intimacy. So he has this small bush. It was, I don't think it was a huge thing. And, and it's, just, it's just burning. And he moves close because, because we know what happens when God does the big thing at Mount Sinai. Nobody wanted to go up there. But here he moves close to this bush. And they begin to have this conversation so intimate that the scripture said that the conversation continued from that point on. And it said it would be like, when they would talk, it would be like Moses and God speaking face to face friend to friend. And it's amazing to me that God starts out by first saying, let me tell you about myself. Here's here's my story. I am. I I am the father of of Jacob and and Isaac and Abraham. And then he says, and and let me tell you what I'm presently doing. Here's my present journey. I'm on a rescue mission. And at that moment, Moses and God begin to intertwine and merge their stories together. The scripture says, then the Lord told Moses, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering, so I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. Here is God saying, we're going to go do this thing together because friends do life together, not just post pictures. The second sharing and creating community is this, shared experiences. Shared experiences begin to merge our stories together. So fast forward with me to where Pastor Jason left off last week. So Moses goes to Pharaoh, says, Pharaoh, God wants his people to go. Pharaoh says, not going to happen. Plagues hit, and we come to that last moment, that last plague, that last impressive act of God called the Passover. And it is this moment that shared stories and shared experiences merge together. There is going to be this story that will impact generation after generation after generation after generation. It's a story that we also merge our lives into. And the story simply is this, that the blood of a lamb covered our family. It protected us from death, and God rescued us from captivity. And that is our story too. Because... Standing by the Jordan River is John the Baptist and his disciples, and coming by is this one, Jesus of Nazareth, and John says, oh, look, look there. There is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that Lamb, the evening before he would be executed, says to those who have gathered together for the Passover reflection, that meal, together, he says this, this is my body I'm giving for you. This is my blood 
that I'm shedding for you that will establish a new covenant, a new life for you. Jesus creates community by sharing his life. So I was asked this week, this whole communion thing, this Eucharist thing, it was a great question. Shouldn't it just be private, me and God talking this thing through? And I, and I said, no, it's not. It, it, it can't be. Because the very first Passover meal, it was community. When Jesus was then with the disciples on that evening before he was betrayed, it was community. When the, when the New Testament church in that first century would gather together, they would come together during the week into this, this wonderful agape feast. The community would come together in homes throughout the city, and they would bring all their food, and they would put it on the table, and they would have this, this buffet, and, and they would drink together and eat together, and, and then they would say, this is his body given for us, and this is the cup that establishes a new covenant. This has always, 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 always been about us doing life together. And somehow in America, in our independence, we have made our devotional life and our communion time and our prayer closet all the individual things, and it's nobody else's business, and it was never intended to be that way. It was always everything happened within community. So somebody says, well, while you're talking about that, let me ask you a question. Why did you change the way we do communion? Because it was so great before because we just, we sat there and those wonderful people came by with those trays and those little, little crackers and, and, and we did the communion thing and then, but now we got to get up and we bump into people coming and going and we got that bread and we have to dip it in the fruit of the vine and then it drips and gets messy. Why do you do that? Because I can. <laughs> because I want us to see that we're not in this alone. That doing life together and even when we are immersed in Jesus is messy. You say, okay, well, while we're complaining, let me say, why did you move us out of the balcony? Why did you take us out of the galleries? That's our routine. It's, it's, our, it's the way that God intended it to be. Well, simply because we can't do life together unless we are together, and being communities means that we will continually change our routine to make room for people and their needs. And that we will always be ready for God to move the community where he needs it to go. Because it's always in his plan and always been in his plan that it's more than us coming here on a Sunday morning and sitting on our little tukas and then getting up. Tukas, it's Hebrew. <laughs> Try to find it. And then, and then we get up and we go and eat and we watch the game and that's all, oh, it's much more than that. Let me, under, let me help you understand what it means for us to be community. And N.T. Wright, a bishop in, in, in Great Britain, says it so well. According to the early Christians, the church doesn't exist in order to provide a place where people can pursue their private spiritual agendas and develop their own spiritual potential. Nor does it exist in order to provide a safe haven in which people can hide from the wicked world and ensure that they themselves arrive safely at an otherworldly destination. Private spiritual growth and ultimate salvation come rather as the byproducts of the main, central, overarching purpose for which God has called us and is calling us. And this purpose is clearly stated in various places in the New Testament that through the church, the community of faith, God will announce to the wider world that he is indeed its wise, loving, and just creator. 
and that through Jesus he has defeated the powers that corrupt and enslave it, and that by his spirit he is at work to heal and renew it. If America is going to know that things are different than they they should be different than they are now, it's not going to just happen because God shows up in some miracle. It's going to happen because the community does its job. So if that's the case, and I propose to you today that we better get busy creating community. And so if you are new to this community of faith, I I just want to give a commercial because next Sunday, following this gathering in the hospitality room, there's a gathering called a Connect Reception. And in that gathering, we're going to invite you to come and just hang out. And a bunch of us are going to be there and talk about how we connect because we've got to find those places where we we can continuously share our stories and have shared experiences. They've got to be there. How do you do that? Come and find out. And then after that gathering, you're going to have opportunity to hang out with my wife and I on some, some Wednesday nights, and we're going to talk about how to get really connected and, and become community. So what happens next is Pharaoh then says, after that last plague, he says, just go. I can't, I can't, we can't do this. And so about a million and a half people get up and leave, his whole workforce. And God begins to lead them through a wilderness, and then he backs them up against a huge body of water. They can't cross over. On one side of them is the water. On another side of them are marshes. On the other side is a desert, and bearing down on them now is Pharaoh, who figured out that he just gave away all his workforce, and he wants them back. And the people begin to panic, and the community begins to complain. The community begins to think every man and woman for yourself. We just, I got to figure out what I'm going to do. So some people, some people blame Moses and want to lynch him. Other people begin to pray. Others begin to say, I never wanted to do this in the first place. And others begin to say, I don't care. Let's just go back. It was better there than dying here. And at that moment, Moses steps up and reminds them how community should go through really tough moments. And so Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to to be still. So you you may be sitting here today and and Pastor Jason addressed it during prayer time. And and so I want to affirm and confirm what he said. You may be here and and you're dealing with a really tough situation and you feel all alone. Well, I think we need to understand that you're not alone. Fear is confronted when community is enlisted. And I know that that any of us that have spent much time in the church community know how, how painful that can be at times, how offensive people within the church family can be, that the people you thought would never act the way they did, they did that, and it has offended you, it has hurt you. You even may be here thinking, I'm not even sure I want to hang out with a community of faith because it's just not been the way it's supposed to be, and it's been painful and hurtful and, 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 and hypocritical and guilty. We've been that way. So uh, this, a couple weeks ago, I got this, this little one of those little cards that visitors filled out this morning and, and, it's, and this person was so honest, they said, you know, I'm checking things out, but I'm really not sure I want to come back into a church because I've been hurt. And so here's my honest response when I emailed them back. Here's what I said. Me too. 
I can't tell you how many times I have felt burned out with the church. Sometimes it's some of the people, and sometimes it's the organizational decisions, like pulling people off the balcony and making us dip bread in juice. <laughs> I've learned that if you slice open the church from the first century on, you find the same feelings about the church so many feel today. It's our humanity and struggle to be like Jesus. So I can't tell you that here at Erie First we have it all together. What I can tell you is that I have found a core of friends that I trust with my life because we're doing life together. Sometimes it's not very pretty, but because we have shared our stories without judgment and have shared life experiences together, we have been able to affirm who Jesus is in each of us. We are doing our best not to be focused on how we do church, but who we are as the church. And we continue to work on that, and I would love the opportunity to spend some time with you and hear your stories. See, if we work through that relational disappointment, and we will find that our connection into the church will rise up in our moments of fear and into our moments of, oh man, what if? See, community is equipped to declare this. Don't be afraid. Don't panic. Because we're together, here who is, here, here's what, who Jesus is for you right now, and here's who we are for you right now. I love that story of the kid who's in the kitchen with his, with his mom, and she's, she's making dinner, and it's already into those, those months where it's just dark, like at 5.30, and, and, and she needs the broom, and it's out on the porch, and the light on the porch doesn't work, and it's dark out there, and she says to her, her small child, go out there and get that broom for me, and he starts to go to that door and swing it open, and he looks, and it's dark. He says, oh, and she says, go get, go get the broom. Oh, no, go, go get the broom. He said, no, it's dark out there. It's scary. There's, and we all know as kids that, that really bad things are in the dark. And finally she says, honey, just go get the broom. You'll be okay. No. She said, okay, look, I want to tell you that Jesus is out there, and you'll be fine. He said, well, then would you ask Jesus to hand me the broom? <laughs> I wish I could be honest and tell you that I have faith in every dark situation. And there are those moments that, that, that it's dark and people will say to me, you know, Jesus is there. And I want to say, Jesus, if you'll just hand me that that's in the dark, because I don't want to go out there. And here's what I think Jesus tells me sometimes. He says, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to hand it to you. You're going to have to go out there. But here's what I will tell you to do. There's some folks within your community of faith that have already been out there. They know what's out there, and they can walk with you out there, and you'll be fine. We need those people who will walk us through those dark moments, and when we try to do it by ourselves, it's because we have not connected with community. We have not communicated our stories, so someone will say, hey, I know what you're going through. I will go with you. You don't need to be afraid. I was wrestling with a life issue once and, and decided that I couldn't really get a handle on it and that I needed to fast because fasting gives us a better clarity of what God's saying and I wanted to hear what he had to say. And so I was talking to a friend, sharing my story. And in the midst of that, he decided that he was going to share the experience. And he said to me, well, when are you fasting? And I said, I'm fasting at these times. He said, great, I'll do it with you. I said, you're gonna what? He said, I'm, I'm going to fast with you. Why would you do that? 
because you need someone to walk with you, someone to be with you as you go through this. And I discovered it's easier to stand firm when the community is standing with you. And so I'm going to just tell you that as we connect to each other and we share our experiences and we're walking through those experiences, and that's why I tell you that you've got to get to know some people other than what you just do here on Sunday morning. You've got to get with groups of people who are studying the scriptures, a smaller group, or they're just there to, to share their stories, or they're there in a serving, a serving capacity. Get with people so that you can share your stories so they can say, well, wait, 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 wait. Well, I'll go with you down to the courthouse and to that hearing. I'll, I'll be there with you so that you can stand firm. I'll be with you. Oh, you're, I'll meet with you every, every Tuesday morning at 8 o'clock, and we'll pray together, because I don't want you to walk through this by yourself. I'll go with you when you need to have that crucial conversation. I won't say anything, but I'll be there as a support to you, praying while you're going through this, and I'll give you feedback on how I thought that went, but I'm not going to let you go by yourself. Folks, if you're trying to do that stuff by yourself, why would you do that by yourself? I can't tell you, or I, I, I can't tell you that, that, that I have had strong faith in everything. I, I have walked people through the 40 years that I have done this pastoral ministry. I've walked, I can't, I can't tell you how many people I've walked through surgery. I've, I've been there as they're going through surgery and been there with family. Uh, this week, I was with, with Pastor Don. Pastor Don just had, had some major surgery, some hip replacement surgery, and, and he's doing fine, but I was there with him. And he said the same thing that I'm going to tell you, that I've walked people through that. But, but up until two years ago, I had never had surgery, except as a child with a, with a tonsillectomy, but I don't remember that. And so, so when it came time for, for my surgery, I hate losing control. It panicked me. And so I'm trying to act really, really strong man of God, big faith dude. And I can honestly tell you that I have never had a greater sense of panic than when I walked into the pre-op room at St. Vincent's and I walked through the door and I actually felt that I was going to turn around and run away. And let me tell you that I can run fast when I'm scared. <laughs> You're not going to catch me. But there were some folks there with me, not holding me and forcing me, but, but being there with me so that I felt their strength. I felt their faith so that I did get up onto that bed. And then I became still. When Moses says, be still, the word means to stop your activity because at that point, the Lord is fighting for you. There are moments when your faith is not enough. And it's at that moment the community will infuse into your situation the faith that they have and you will exist by their faith as they walk you through that and you will believe in what they believe in because they're certain that you can be still because the Lord is fighting for you. But that happens within community. But I want to say that we will never get powerful acts from community without powerful worship in community. It's the base of everything we do. It's cause and effect. So there's this great, there's this great story that as they're, as they're going through the wilderness, the scripture says this, it was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from camp. 
Everyone who wanted to make a request of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand in the entrances of their own tents. Now, as you're picturing this in your head, we're talking a million and a half people. Okay, so multiply all the people in the Erie County about four times. Okay, now you got the picture? Without snow. As he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down in front of their own tents. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face. Here it is, as one speaks to what? A friend. Afterward, Moses would return to camp. So Moses would take this tent. It was before the tabernacle was built, and he would put it out there. And then some people who needed to hear from God would come and get in line, but Moses would be the one who would, who would be their intercessory, that'd be the person who would mediate, the person who would, would hear from God. And then everybody else, when Moses would go there and go in the tent and this big, this big pillar of cloud, which was the presence of the Almighty, would come down on the tent, everybody would come out to their tents and stand there and watch. And it became so awesome that many of them would actually bow down because of the mighty presence of God and in worship, because worship really means to, to, to lick the hand or to, to be in a... In a a prostrate position before that which is great. See, community is not God's community without community worship, all of us together. You cannot follow what God wants you to do if you think you can go do your worship by yourself out in nature. It's not the way he designed it. Oh, yeah, you'll make it through life, but you're losing a whole lot that God has for you. So, so do you see the picture? Millions and a half, million and a half people bowing before God, do you see that? Do you see that in, in the, the first century church, over 3,000 people are, co- are crowding in now in Solomon's colonnade and worshiping God? And then they break off from there and they go into, into homes and, and they have a meal together and they sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and make worship unto the Lord? Do you see that happening? And Jesus said, where two or three of you would gather in, in my midst, there I am. It's my opinion that we are made to worship in a regular life cycle because God gave us this cycle. It's a weekly cycle. It's the way he, he established it. And I believe that we are, we are created to take our life issues, our weekly life issues, and have them infused by our community worship to be able to face that. And I think that when we gather like we have today, two things happen. I call it the witness and the workings. The witness is us gathered here and, and, and reinvigorating our lives and, and refreshing our thought process and, and renewing our minds because it's the renewing of our minds that transform us with the truth that God gives us. And so in this setting, as Tyler and the team are up here singing worship songs, we begin to hear those words and we feel the, the, the melodic pulse and we begin to sense the presence of God and we say, yeah, 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 he's real, he's real because I just I sense it down in here. He's absolutely real. And someone reads a scripture and go, yes, it's truth. Yeah, he is real. And Pastor Jason gets up here and he says, now if you're thinking this, God's saying to you and you go, that's me. He God is real, he's answering. And then someone begins to, to bring out the word of God and begins to teach it and those words go in you and you go, yes, it's real. How can you go week after week without this gathering? I don't understand that. 
I can tell you that there's times that Pam and I go on vacation and we are so peopled out that I might skip a Sunday, but by the time I get past that, I go, oh, I gotta find someplace. I, I gotta, gotta fill up. And it's so fun to go someplace where nobody knows me and they don't expect me to do anything. And we just sit there and we just soak it in. God, oh, this is so great. I go to church here if I lived in Florida. And I just might after today. I just, it's, it's, it's the watch, it's, it's just the witnessing. It's just witnessing who he is so that it's reaffirmed to us. Because Pam and I told you, Pam and I pray every, every morning. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will save the Lord. He is my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And when I gather with you on Sunday and I hear your voices and I hear the people singing around me and I hear the prayers, I go, yes, it's true. What I pray during the week with Pam is true because I sense it here and it just reinforces who I am in him. That's why we've got to be together. And then, then there's this incredible thing of the workings. And I take this out of 1 Corinthians 12. And it's in the first section. I don't even remember the exact verses, but here's what it says. It says that the Holy Spirit, for those who are followers of Jesus, gives you divine abilities, giftings, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, discerning of spirits, prophetic words, speaking in tongues and interpretation, miracles, Gifts of healing. So here's what happens. When we gather here like this, and it should be happening, maybe in the service there might be a prophetic word, and, and, and if you grew up in the Pentecostal movement, somehow we thought that the only place that that should happen is in a gathering like this, and someone would give a tongue and interpretation, and so it was a great service, it was really good. In fact, when I grew up, the two ways that you judge if a service is good is, number one, if there is a prophetic word, and number two, if the worship goes so long the pastor can't preach. Yeah, that's a great service. We didn't even hear him preach. That's a great thing. But you may go walk out in the, in, the, in the hallway and someone say, how's your week? And you go, oh, man, just, and this happened. And they go, can I pray for you? And they begin to pray for you. And when they're done, they go, you know, as I was praying for you, I felt like God wanted you to know this. And you go, wow, that is so cool. Somebody might come up to you today and say, you know, I was, I, you're, you came to my mind this week and I had a sense that you were struggling. Can you tell me about it? Let's pray together. Pam and I were with a guy once, and, and we were at, at, at dinner, and he said to Pam, can I pray for you? As he began to pray, he said, oh, by the way, I got a prophetic word. So right there in the middle of the restaurant, he gave her a prophetic word that was dead on. But there were two or three of us gathered there together in his name. So what I'm telling you is that if we do not gather together on a regular basis, those things will be missed, and we become weaker Christians as a result of it. Those things need to happen. So here's what happens. It says that the, the Spirit gives us those giftings. And then it says that Jesus appoints where they will, will, will serve with those. So it's the Holy Spirit that gives you the gifting. And Jesus says, I want you over here today to sit over here because I think, because I know that you need to communicate with this person. And somehow you end up with the right person because Jesus is directing you. And then it says that God gives the effect, the working that God then takes those things that you've done by faith as we've been together as community and he works that out in the person the way that it wanted it to be. That's what he does. And it happens within the community. So you say, well, are you telling me that, that, that it's a law that I have to be at church every Sunday? No, we're past that whole legalism thing. But I, but I, I got to tell you that it's not a law, but I see a pattern. That the early church understood this, so they desperately needed Jesus. 
So every Sunday, the first day of the week, they gathered to worship as community. We know some of the things that happened during those gatherings. We know that they would go to Solomon's colony. We know they would gather in their homes. Acts 16 tells us some of the things that, that happened when, when Paul began to establish the church in different places throughout the world. And in, in, the, in this setting, we know that, that and, and Paul would say that they would sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs. And he also said that they would teach one another and that they would break bread and have the communion, the Eucharist. And sometimes they would have miracles, and in this case, they had someone raised from the dead because Paul preached too long. A guy fell asleep, fell out of a window, and died. And so they had to raise him from the dead. So I got news for you. If, while I'm preaching today, you die of boredom, we resurrect here. <laughs> we become a tighter community when every week we count it a priority to grow together. I'm just asking you, I'm asking you as we face whatever our nation's gonna face in the future, I'm asking you to make it a priority to gather together as community every Sunday. Oh, but I sometimes I golf and sometimes I, I know. But we're talking about the strength you need to face the future. And I need you here because your giftings are, are needed by me. So I'm gonna ask you to make it a priority so that we can come together and we can adore Jesus so that we can declare Jesus is the Lord of my life and I'm a follower of Jesus, that we can share our stories because our stories will always come back to this as followers of Jesus. Our stories will always come back to this, that the blood of a lamb covers my family. The blood of a lamb covers my family and God protects me from death. And then he delivers me from my captivity. So that we can share our stories, but we can also share our experiences. That we'll see that we're not in this life together, that doing life together, even when we're immersed in Jesus, can be messy. That we will always, always be willing to move our routines so that we can make room for people and their needs. That we'll always be ready to move wherever God wants to move his community. So Facebook says, I have 865 friends. But only if those 865 friends are sharing stories and sharing experiences. And you say, wait, 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 you said there were four sharings. Four. It's true. And you get the next two, the next two weeks. And I know you'll be here because we're community. So where'd you stand? This is community, and as community, I'll ask you this question. Who are we? Followers of Jesus. And what do we do? We do life together. So some of you say, oh, those are the answers? Do it again. Okay, I will. Hang on. Wow, you're impatient. Who are we? What do we do? We do life together. And part of doing life together is praying for each other. So I'm going to ask our elders and our council members and their spouses to come and just stand right here right now. So come on up. Don't hesitate. Come on. And our prayer team. Come on.
And in just a moment, as we dismiss, I'm going to invite you, if you need prayer, if you're walking through something, you just need to share your story with somebody who will listen and pray with you all week long. And in the days to come, these are the folks. These people have been praying for you already. These people fasted for you a week ago. And so in just a moment, we're going to dismiss. And as we dismiss, I'm going to ask that you that are closer to the front, keep the noise down to a, to a minimum so that we're not disrupting these folks here. And we'll stay here and pray with you as long as you need it because we are community. This is what we do. We're going to help you stand. We're going to, we're going to tell you do not fear because we're with you. But we are community. And so you can come in just a moment and these folks will pray with you. So now let me pray a blessing on you. You may even want to take a posture of receiving. So now in the days to come, I pray and, 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 I, and I declare over you that you will connect with other followers of Jesus who will be your support, who will care for you, who will love you, who will help you stand in your difficult time, who will help you be still as the Lord delivers you, who will, who will speak into your life, do not fear, that you will find strength that you didn't know you had as, as this community surrounds you. And may you see in the days to come as we connect together, the church function as the way that Jesus designed it to work, that it may change your place of work, it may change where you go to school, it may change this county. May we, by the way we live together, be able to declare that Jesus is Lord over everything. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, God bless you. Have a great day. Be sure you spend some time with each other. If you want prayer, please come now and these folks will help you.